You know, it's great to hear. My, can you hear me? Yep. It is good to be here to hear voices, young and old, to sing the praises of Christ. And it's just sweet in that. Uh, singing together this way and it's a privilege and and so i i just love our time of corporate worship thank you worship team for for leading us this way well this is an exciting day and it's an exciting day for foothill bible church since we have the privilege of participating in the sending and supporting of tj and karen smith along with chaya and Asana, and Kokoli, and Ethan. And it is exciting because we send them off to proclaim the urgent gospel to Dubai. Now, some of you may wonder where Dubai is, and I trust you'll look it up. In, but it is on the other side of the globe. Uh, but it's not, they're not far away from our hearts, and they're scheduled to depart next week. But after this morning's message, I just want to let you know that the elders will gather here around to lay their hands upon TJ and Karen and, and pray for them as we commend them to the Lord publicly. And so by faith, we here at Foothill Bible desire to see Jesus proclaimed to all peoples as Jesus commands. And certainly Dubai at this time, it's a strategic setting where there are men and women. And, and TJ noted it last week that 60, over 60 peoples from different parts of the world where missionaries cannot always access or the name of Christ is not proclaimed. But somehow God in his providence orchestrating people to gather to work or for other purposes in Dubai. And God has placed TJ and Karen to be strategically set there. And so we have the privilege of supporting our dear friends. And, and really, it's uh, to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ through training and equipping through the Gulf Theological Seminary. You know, the last two Sunday training hours, TJ has provided us a historical overview of the local church sending and supporting missionaries from the study of Acts 13 in, in the church at Antioch. And, and I would say that that ministry um, that perseveres to make Christ known, that type of ministry goes doesn't go without some sort of resistance. I say that because people are not always excited to hear about Jesus, especially if you're going to places where Jesus is not named, and they like it the way it is. And who are you to come to declare about Jesus Christ? So it's not always well-received, and yet we're not basing it on how they may feel, or, but we go out, we send forth, believing by faith that God's word Will be true. Mission exists. You've heard this expression. Mission exists because worship doesn't. And we are trusting by faith that worship 
will definitely increase as a result of the word of God being proclaimed in Dubai. You know, that statement, mission exists, because worship doesn't, um, comes from a quote from John Piper, who's a former pastor there in Minnesota. And I would agree that mission and the support of missionaries is all about worship of the only God and Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Last week, TJ explained why the calling to preach the word and train men to become disciples of Christ is, is not only a matter of urgency, but it's out of obedience to the scriptures. Let me quote John Piper on another um, book. He, he, he says something very profound. He says, quote, if we as a church are disobedient, it is not ultimately the cause of God and the cause of world mission that we'll lose. We will lose. God's counsel will stand and he will accomplish his purpose. His triumph is never in question. Only our participation in it or our incalculable loss. We can be drunk with private concerns and indifferent to the great enterprise of world evangelization. But God will simply pass over us and do his great work while we shrivel up in our little land of comfort, close quote. May that never be said of this church. May it never be said of Foothill Bible Church that we shrink back from that cause. Sadly, it's so easy to lose focus on the mission of the church since we are distracted. We are. We are distracted by the many other worries and temptations of the day. And that temptation is not only for the church in America or here in Upland, but for the churches worldwide, even in Dubai. And so my heart is burdened for TJ and Karen as they venture forth by faith. And this morning's message is not only for them, but for each of us, as well as we collectively are called to proclaim the gospel throughout the world and support these endeavors. Last week I was out of town for vacation and I read a great biography on the life of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary from England and he was sent out to China almost 170 years ago. And he served there for almost 51 years. And here was a man God had set apart to make Christ known to the people of, the, of interior China who had never heard the gospel or seen a missionary proclaim God's word in the Chinese language. Here was a man whom the Lord used to inspire many to follow Christ and make known in China who said, and he, and he said this, it is not great faith you need, but faith in a great God. And that's what I hope that we will come away this morning. It's not great faith. It is faith in a great God. As I read this biography, I was so encouraged to read about God's faithfulness to sustain the saint through many pains and trials. And I was reminded of this passage that many may be familiar, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And you can turn your Bibles there because I'm going to read that entire passage. But 2 Corinthians 4, 7 is, is often quoted. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power 
belongs to God and not to us. I've entitled this morning's message, Treasuring God's Treasure by Faith. I say this because our lives are filled, it's filled with testings. That, and what, what testings does, it, it reveals our affections, what we truly love. Circumstances, you, you've heard me say this before, circumstances in life, they don't make or break you. They simply reveal you. Our affections, our love, our interests consume our time and our talents and our treasure. What we value, what we love, what we hate, reveals what we are. And the Apostle Paul here, who wrote 2 Corinthians, was often questioned about his authority since he did not appear physically to be an imposing giant, a spiritual giant. He wasn't an impressive man, at least outwardly. I mean, it's even noted that his body was, his, his presence was, was weak and his speech was of no account. I mean, in other words, you just kind of looked over, looked beyond him. He just was not that great of a guy, at least from the appearance. Yet the Lord used this man greatly and we can get a better picture of what fueled this man to not lose heart when tested during times of hardship. He treasured God's treasure by faith. So follow with me as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just to give a background. We'll zone in on verse 7 and kind of support that uh, in the following verses. But let's read and let me lead us in this reading. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe 
And so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus, bringing us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Heavenly Father, for the next several minutes, cause your servant to bring forth clarity in preaching your word. May your spirit grant understanding and move our affections to the praise of your son. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me give you a context, the context of 2 Corinthians, and then I'll go into content a little bit. You know, Paul was the spiritual father of the church in Corinth as he planted and pastored there in Acts 18. After departing Corinth, Paul learned that the church is not doing well. And he writes his first letter, 1 Corinthians, to confront the church on issues related to immorality, to spiritual gifts, and divisions. And he even visits them, but not all of them received him well, since they were, there were false teachers who arose questioning his authority, as well as criticizing him and his teaching. They didn't see that he was legit. As I said, Paul was not received well. And that, that can be potentially discouraging. You know, when you're not loved and appreciated, it's kind of like, man, forget you type of attitude. But that wasn't his attitude. Paul writes the second letter. He's actually written more, but what we have here is the second letter is defending his apostleship and authority as a servant of Christ. And here in chapter 4, Paul plainly states that he has not lost heart because he believes that he has received this ministry as a result of God's mercy on his life. And he can see this more clearly through the experience. Listen to this. He learns more about this through the experience of suffering. That's amazing. I say that because most of us do not welcome suffering as a verification that God has called us to the ministry as I suffer. Our attitude is more of the opposite feeling. I'm suffering. I'm being attacked. I need to pull out. I need to get out of this. Forget this. This is too hard. I don't want to be involved in this. But that's not the attitude that the Apostle Paul takes because he recognized he's the recipient of God's mercy. And so as I hone in on just giving you first the context, but the content was, was I'm looking at verse 7 there. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul transitions here in verse 7. He opens with, but 
but it's really a transitional word from verse 6 where he declares that God shines forth his glory by revealing himself. You see, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge there in verse 6 of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, it doesn't come from within. God in, intercepted, intersected in our lives and he brought forth light. So in other words, when a Christian, when you and I, when we first believe, it is a miraculous event because that person that person in unbelief was walking in darkness. Do you believe that? Some of you are even walking in darkness now. But many of us here, we knew we were walking in darkness. We were in rebellion. We had nothing to do with God. And God brings forth the good news. We understand by faith that, that God, who is rich in mercy, sent forth his son, who gave his life in exchange for your life. And that darkness is intercepted by his light and it's brought forth in one's life and you see God's merciful hand and you respond and you say, I want to follow that man, that God, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for me. I was once blind, but now I see. So Paul begins here in verse 7, we have this treasure. Who's the we? It's those who follow Christ. He says this repeatedly in verse 7, verse 8, verse 11, verse 13, verse 16, verse 18. We. And he's talking about we who are followers of Christ. We have. Meaning we possess. We have in possession. It is already an actively present in the believer. We possess, and actually it's really, we're being possessed uh, by this treasure. We have in our possession something valuable of infinite worth, more precious than gold. And the Bible tells us that, that in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Think about it. Listen, we have in our possession, as followers of Christ, we have the knowledge of God in his word, the knowledge of his will, a relationship with the one who loved us and saved us, the Holy Spirit that indwells and intercedes for us, the direct access to Almighty God. All of this is through this treasure. And yet, Paul makes this transition, yet it is found in jars of clay. What a contrasting statement there. Something so valuable, so precious, is inside something that is fragile, inferior, it's common, it's expendable, it's ordinary. That's us. That's you and I. What an amazing contrast. For what purpose? It's to show. To show what? His surpassing power or his surpassing greatness. This same power that created light, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, 
his surpassing power, it belongs to God. And God gets all the glory through this, all the credit, all the praise. And that is so critical for everyone, for all of us to remember. When we go tell others about Jesus, about God sending forth his son to pray to pay the penalty of man's sin, to be made right with an infinite holy God who created the universe and each of us, we are only telling others what belongs to God. All this endeavor called missions is really to showcase. It's to showcase God. And not us, as Paul says there at the end of verse 7. Ministry is not about the apostle Paul. Paul recognizing that his body was on loan to reveal Jesus, to bring forth life in us. When life is brought forth in us, it, it causes more glory to God. And so this morning, we will see why God why Paul provides three purposes about God's treasure in order to showcase God's glory to the follower of Christ. And so I begin with this first point, is that, that the purpose to reveal God's presence through suffering, as I noted there in verse 8 through 12, Paul provides an overview of not only his life, but these verses in one sense represents many saints since his writing, <clears throat> since his writing reveals just not only of his own personal experience, but really it represents many before us, many who have given their lives so that we can have this gospel. I think of an example of that. I think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 being stoned to get death. Yet we see that his life is reflected, Paul's very words, as, as, you know, Paul was the eyewitness of Stephen's death and a contributor to his death. But he saw a man who treasured Jesus. I think of whom Stephen was talking about, Moses and other prophets and Old Testament saints, men who spoke about the coming righteous one in Jesus. And they suffer abuse and scorn. That is the history of ministry and missions, is people don't just say, well, thank you. I'm so glad you told us. It's oftentimes met with scorn, with affliction. I think of Isaiah. I think of Jeremiah. I think of Elijah, Daniel, and other prophets. And there is this repeated theme of suffering since people did not want to hear the truth. I think of all the apostles they all ended up suffering. So Paul's not exaggerating about his life of suffering. He was afflicted. You go there uh, in verse 8. Afflicted means being under pressure. Paul wrote earlier of how intense it was for him. He writes there in chapter 1, verse 8, that, that the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's pretty intense, to be despairing of life itself. But he was not crushed. Praise God. Paul says later uh, in chapter 6, verse 4, that as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. 
And we're not hoping that for TJ and Karen or his family. But, but I'm trying to give you a historical perspective that whatever comes for saints nowadays, it's nothing new. It's been experienced by saints before. Paul says that he was perplexed to be at loss, yet not thoroughly perplexed. In other words, what Paul said in chapter 1 of despairing of life was, that was a one-time incident, but it was an an ongoing event. Verse 9 says he was persecuted, but not forsaken. means to be hunted or pursued. Paul faced this throughout his ministry life. You know, when you read in Acts 9, 23 to 24, um, Acts 14, uh, Acts 20, Acts 23, he reminds us that he was not, you know, he was hunted down, but he was not forsaken. He was not deserted by God. Paul then notes that he was struck down, but not destroyed. Literally, he was knocked down, but not knocked out. Paul tells us that, um, and he he says it really explicitly there in chapter 11. He says, the countless beatings, often near death, five times received 40 lashes, three times beat with rods, stoned, three times shipwrecked, danger everywhere, hunger, thirst. You know, despite all the horrific pains and afflictions, Paul's perspective rises above his circumstances because he says there in verse 10, always carrying the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested. It means to make, be made clear in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested. That means, again, to be revealed or disclosed in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The early church father, Tutuian, noted, quote, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You know, evil, evil governments in the past and even today um, have often sought to persecute Christians, to single them out in order to discourage others from following Christ. But you know what happens? What happened historically and happens today? It has the opposite effect. And so... When you see suffering coming, coming about, it is all by God's providential design, but it's also to, to reveal more of who Jesus is um, through that person. And so suffering is dying to self and to join in the fellowship of Christ's suffering, being conformed to his death. Hudson Taylor um, said that what costs little is worth little. It's not a matter of, is it worth it? You've heard me say this before. Oftentimes we ask, is it worth it? That's not the right question to be asking. The question you should be really asking is, is he worthy? Is Christ worthy of this gospel message? And he is, including facing suffering. So the purpose, again, first purpose, God showcases his treasure. His presence is revealed through suffering. But the second point is, it's the purpose of God showcasing is to reveal God's promises through faith. We see that in verse 13 to 15, that 
Paul believes that the resurrection of Christ is an essential teaching of the faith. And so here in verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also, Paul's assured and believes that God's promises will come to pass because of the resurrection. Paul is so compelled that the treasure, this good news of Christ is not only about his death. I'm hearing an echo. Is that, are you hearing that as well? Okay. Um, Paul's compelled that this treasure, this good news of Christ is not only about his death on behalf of sinners, but he really believes. And the word of God has declared, God is going to be raising. He raised Christ from the dead. He will raise us from the dead as well. He says, for I delivered you of first importance. He says that in 1 Corinthians 15. That's the, you know, the resurrection is everything as we tell about, the, about Christ. Because through Christ, as God raised him from the dead, he will raise us. And by faith, as God has pro- made that promise, he will do that. This, the, showcasing his treasure through this, through the promises it's, it, it helps people, helps those who face difficulty to recognize, man, I know, okay, you take my life, but God will raise me from the dead. And that is, I'm, I'm believing by faith that he has conquered this, even this death that I face. We must all remember that the message of Christ has conquered death through the resurrection. And hearing this message produces a faith that results in more people worshiping Christ and giving glory to God. One commentator noted, quote, faith is the central trust of Christians not to be discouraged and hope is their sure expectation of a state of eternal glory. Meaning, God's people knows that the brevity of this earthly life and the certainty of eternal life is with the Lord. There's a certain certainty we have it's not only about today, but for eternity. And so I'm solemnly, I'm just soberly reminded that, that what we have, this treasure, is so precious because it's eternal. It's beyond just this life. As I noted about reading uh, um, Hudson Taylor, his biography, Hudson Taylor was confronted by a new convert who who said, you know, this message is incredible. How long has this, been, this gospel been known to you and through your, from where you come from in England? He replied, for several hundred years. And the guy just responded, what? You have only now come to preach to us? Why didn't you come sooner? And Hudson Taylor didn't know what to say. It was such a difficult answer. You know, promise, our missionary we send out to to Papua New Guinea has echoed those same words because other tribes come and they see that something is happening among the peoples there. And they say, are you going to be sending others to come? We need to hear this message in our language. Are you going to be sending people And it's a difficult position to be in when you have this treasure and you are trying to translate the word of God and others saying, come, will you send somebody? How long have you had this in your country, in your language? Why aren't you sending more? 
Why aren't you sinning now? And I, I pose that for all of you to hear. You have heard this message for so long. You've had it for so long. But there are people around our world, and including our neighbors as well, who have never heard. But it's because this faith we have, this promise through faith, that God has conquered death, this greatest enemy. And that treasure we ought to treasure is within us. Let me go to the third point. This treasure we're believing is to reveal God's perspective through, through preparation. Let me kind of explain that. You know, the perspective of eternity lends forth clarity of priorities. When you know that what you have is something eternal, it does have a sense of perspective of life. Even in times of difficulty, Paul can say that whatever he is experiencing is really, he says it's momentary light affliction there in verse 16. Why? Because God is doing something that's ongoing, even unseen, that has eternal value and duration. That type of perspective in life is so contrary to living in the moment. For most of us, it's living for the moment. But living in view of what we can experience in our lifetime, that's one thing. But to look heavenward, to look beyond this life, to eternity in view, is the result of something that has done, that has changed inside our own hearts and our affections. What th this treasure that's something God has done, and I trust is doing for you, because you are looking beyond just this life. That's why you must go and tell, is because you have a treasure, and the message of that treasure goes beyond this life. It's for all eternity. What are the effects of this viewpoint of just having uh, eternity? Paul can say that he doesn't lose heart, his inner self is being renewed day by day. God is preparing a future glory to be enjoyed and re revered in the future. You know, and, and, and it's important to understand that because it's not only Paul who says that, those words. The Apostle Peter echoes that same idea. He says in 1 Peter 4, 13, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You see, there is a certainty. God is going to reveal his purposes, his glory. And that's what a day of rejoicing that will be. And that kind of viewpoint is, is radical because you look at that all what God is doing is entrusting this treasure in us is for something far greater. So what I go through, this Light affliction, it's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Why do I say God showcases his treasure? Because the word Paul uses to describe all of us implies that the value is not in the container. The contain, since the container is fragile, it's wasting away. Yes, you and I are wasting away. You may, not, you may try to cover it up and look, do all kinds of things to to fake it, but the reality is you are wasting away and, and you're really even expendable. But the real value is what, is what the container has inside. Paul's noting that he is nothing of himself 
to boast about since he is a container that is vulnerable to being easily broken. There's no enduring or inherent value of this container, but it's what is contained, what he has contained. And so why does Paul use this illustration? Because because God's glory, God's power and glory is displayed through simple and humble means. Regular people who are filled with God's treasure of the gospel. You know, Paul says that in, in 1 Corinthians one, that for consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might No human being might boast in the presence of God. Do you have that perspective to see that you're just, you're being used, but in a good way. You're being used by God. The more we recognize our dependence upon God to do the work, the less tempted we'll be to lose heart and properly acknowledge God's grace and glory through our lives. You know, Paul, remind, he recognizes that his sufficiency is from God. And so he rather boasts about his weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in him. Let me go to practical application. So why is this important to know? You're going, okay, thanks. Thanks, Art. So what do I do with what you're saying? You know, being entrusted with with this treasure does not mean you're immune from sickness. You're not immune from sin. You're not immune from all types of affliction. I've been talking about treasure, of what's inside the heart of the follower of Christ. But I want to exhort you to treasure, to store, to gather, to collect, to guard, to protect, to value. I... I I encourage you to treasure that which is eternal, that which is precious. To, as as um, the wisest man Solomon says in Proverbs two, he says, "My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice of, for understanding, if you seek it like silver." and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You see, what you love and what you hate reveals what you are. And my encouragement to you is that to treasure that which is eternal, the word of God. When I say practical application, I'm going to say that, you know, saints of old understand this truth, because there's times of testing of your sincerity, whether you really treasure this treasure that is in you. The early church father, James, he understood that. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces 
steadfastness, steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There is a, as you treasure, you're going to be tested. But what I trust you will echo the words of one of the oldest men, that's recorded in history, I mean, of Job, that you would be echoed Job's words that he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. When God tests you, that treasure, all the things that you know you thought was important, they kind of just burn away. And so I want to exhort you to embrace those times of testings, those times of trials and afflictions, just as Paul noted here, because what it does, it just brings forth clarity of priorities. It brings forth that what really shines is I trust is Christ in you, that hope of glory. During this past year, you know, the Smith family have personally experienced God's providential orchestration events that seem pretty impossible. Besides the effects of COVID, they travel to India to unite with their two youngest children, Kakoli and Ethan. They work through the bureaucracy and challenges of adoption. God's gracious hand to blend and unite hearts and, and affections to a new family. It's been an amazing past year. God opening the door to minister in Dubai and providing the necessary paperwork, financial and, and spiritual support. It reminds me of Hudson Taylor's famous quote where he says, I have found there are three stages in every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then, it is difficult. Then, it is done. You know, what we're talking about is not mission impossible, where you're responding, should you accept this mission? And, and you go out covertly. You know, God is working, has been working in TJ and Karen's life. And he's working in our lives as we come and rally to support. It is mission possible because our commander in chief has commanded us to go and preach the gospel. Go into all the world, he says in Mark 16, 15, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. It is mission possible, TJ and Karen, because you are part of a long line of servants whom God called to intervene on the lives of other people by bringing the, uh, the word of God. Once again, it starts with understanding who God is. Paul understood that of his own sinfulness, and his, but God sh showed mercy. You know, oftentimes missionaries can lose that perspective. And it's true. Missionaries can, pastors can lose that perspective. Um, and I don't say that by just uh, by confession. That's just the reality is we lose perspective and falsely believe that you're God's gift to who, whomever, when in reality, you are only a recipient, not a giver of blessing. You're, you've been the recipient of much and you are seeking to be a blessing to others. So we're trusting that as TJ and Karen go out, they will proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ as if it all depended upon on them. But they remember as they look back, it was all of God. He uses means. 
He used his word to guide them, his spirit to enable them, his church to, to support them, his wife, TJ, your wife and children, to encourage you. Why am I saying this now, especially to TJ and Karen? Let me tell you a story, a true story. 17 years ago, in my living room in India, TJ and Karen, they just arrived. And they were seeking God's will for their lives. And they had two ministry options in order to learn the language and understand the Indian and Hindu culture. And they chose a road that was more difficult, one of the most spiritually dark places in the world. One of my missionary friends said, it's going to the place of the edge of hell. And it was. But what, it ha what happened through that was that it resulted in more usefulness, more authenticity, more credibility. Why? Because of what they suffered. Many of you don't know this story. They could personally testify that they were afflicted physically, spiritually, emotionally, in every way, but not crushed. They were perplexed, but not driven to despair. Though they were tempted, they were persecuted. What I mean by that, that they were falsely accused, but not forsaken. They were struck down, not physically, but certainly emotionally, but not destroyed. Always carried in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in their bodies. That was evident in their lives, through their lives, and we're trusting it will continue. The Lord and his providence have tested them in many arenas during their time serving in India. It wasn't wasted time. And that is why we're excited about the opportunity to for them to train others. I think of First Timothy I mean, 2 Timothy 2, 2, that what you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's why we are sending them out because God has tested and trained and, and put them through and we're believing that they will continue to pass that baton, that treasure that God has made manifest through their lives. You know, for some of you who are new to this church, for the past 28 years of Foothill Bible Church's existence, by God's grace, we have personally sent and supported eight missionaries and church planters. And we learned this practical advice. Hold your plans loosely. Hold on to God's word dearly. And may you testify Jesus' words that you've been held by his righteous right hand. May it be said of you, as said in Acts 20, 24, but I do not account of my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. TJ and Karen, go in full confidence that our Lord Jesus Christ, who called you, will be with you always. And we, Foothill Bible Church, 
by God's grace, will seek to remain faithful in the task of supporting you through prayer, through finances, and words of encouragement. I'm going to ask the elders to come and TJ and Karen to come here, to come forward here as we will commend to them. And Micah will be uh, leading us in prayer. But as they come forward, I want to inform you that, that this part of what I'm calling commissioning, commissioning means to express thanks to God for the missionary, to express our public support In the coming days, as TJ and Karen, along with their children, travel to the other side of the globe to preach Christ. And so Micah is going to lead us here. Let's pray. Loving Father, we come to you in the name of Christ. We thank you that indeed we are your children, that we have been adopted by your grace, that we have been enveloped in your love, that we know you, the one who has made heaven and earth. We thank you, Father, that you have opened our eyes to the glory of Christ. And yet we recognize that this world is full of people that do not see that glory. Many people that live in darkness following the course of this world. And Father, our hearts are heavy as we recognize the, the task that is before all of us the marching orders that Christ gave us before he left this earth to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. With the promise that he is with us always to the end of the age. Father, we take this commissioning soberly, and seriously, recognizing that we are giving our lives to Christ and to this mission. Father, we are humbled when we recognize who you are. Your great majesty, that there is none like you, that you alone are the one true holy God. That before you form this earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And Father, we want your name to be proclaimed among the nations. We want people far and wide to know you, to rejoice in you, to have salvation. And so, Father, we, as we were reminded this morning, there is indeed a great treasure that we possess. And Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be your ambassadors. We thank you for your servants, TJ and Karen. As was recounted already, Father, the, the years that you have brought them through to bring them to this point, to where they are heading into a new, new part of the world, but with the same gospel message, the same commitment, the same resolve. We give you the praise for what you have done in them up to this point. Father, you have formed them, you have shaped them, you have commissioned them, and you have strengthened them. And we know that as we see them go now, that they go in your strength, by your spirit, to proclaim the glories of Christ. We pray that you would please be with them as a family. Father, a family that's only recently come to its full number. But we praise you, O oh God, for your grace that has been manifested each 
in every year as you have, have built their family. We thank you for the dear children that are under TJ and Karen's care, for Chaya, Afsana, Kakoli, and Ethan. Oh God, may you be with them. May you strengthen them in these days ahead as there is much change and transition ahead of them. Father, may you confirm the gospel in their hearts and may their home be one of joy and of laughter, one of great celebration of these gospel truths. And I pray as they settle there in Dubai that you would enable their home to be have a sweet fragrance of Christ. Father, may you show to their neighbors and to the world around them who Jesus is through the ways that this family operates and obeys Jesus. Pray, Father, for TJ as he goes to be about the task of teaching and training. May you make him effective for Christ's sake. May he indeed be able to, to teach men who will be able to teach others also. And we pray, Father, that through their efforts, that the gospel would continue to spread far and wide as the 60 or so nationalities are represented there, that they would spread that truth far and wide and that the, the churches would be established and planted for the glory of Christ. Father, indeed, that is what we want. We want to see Christ treasured, Christ proclaimed, Christ glorified. And we pray that you would do that through TJ and Karen's ministry. Father, we know that they are, in and of themselves, weak people. That they have nothing of themselves that innate keeps them strong. But they are only strong in you. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit and enable them to walk daily by your grace. And we pray, Father, for Foothill, that you would help us to be faithful in proclaiming here in Upland as they are faithful in proclaiming in Dubai. May you keep us all clinging to Christ and proclaiming him to the end of the age. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.